Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. All right, today's word comes from Mark 9, 14 through 29. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus... It immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help him. If you can said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive him out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Stay standing as we pray. Would you join me right now, Lord? So thankful for your word and how your word shows us who you are, how loving, how powerful, how amazing you are, and it shows us uh, how you've called us to live, how you want us to live, how we can live. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would illuminate that even more. Lord, I'm praying again for uh, a fresh new revelation of who you are and who you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray that as we are uh, listening, as we're receiving in this next few moments, Lord, I pray that none of us would find ourselves in this place where we assume that we are good soil. Lord, let us have an eagerness, a hunger, desire to grow, to learn, to receive from you and not have this posture of I've got this figured out, I've heard this before. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to all of us right where we're at. From those that are in a journey exploring their faith in you and wondering more, uh, wanting to know more about you, to those of us that have been following you for years, Lord, meet us right where we're at, Lord, and I pray that you would stir great faith, great faith in us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't you go ahead and have a seat. Our mission here at Rivers Church is, is this. If you know this, okay, help me out, okay? It's to love people, live like Jesus, and lead others to him. If you hang out with us for any length of time, I hope that you hear that so much that it's easy. That you just rattle it off, okay? And, and it also helps when it's on the screen, right? Okay, love people, live like Jesus, lead others to him. This is what we're all about as a church, as a community, and as you can see, it all centers around Jesus. We're all about Jesus, unashamedly, unapologetically, Jesus. 
Just like Pastor Amy declared earlier, like we believe Jesus is alive. We believe he rose from the dead and that he is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe all that took place. You know, it's interesting. You think about Jesus. He, he, he lived and he walked among people. And you can read about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the, the four gospels about the, the life, the ministry, the teachings, the, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so very, very important readings. And what's interesting actually about Jesus too is he's like the, the most studied, he's the most written about person ever in human history. Nobody has been talked about more, has been studied more, has written books about more than, than, than Jesus. In fact, he's also the most controversial person in, in human history as well. But way more than Napoleon or Abraham Lincoln, Jesus has way more written about him, articles, things talked about him, even more than Elvis, if you can believe it. It's Jesus. He's the most significant person in human history. And we believe that he did what he said he was going to do. Because Jesus is one of those guys, he, he predicted his death and his resurrection. He told his friends, his disciples, as they were hanging out, he says, this is going to happen, guys. And they still didn't quite get it until after it happened. Like, oh, I get it now. You're going to die and come back to life. I see you. You're alive again. And so he predicted, he told his friends that this is what's going to happen. And then he pulled it off. This is why we believe in Jesus. This is why we believe he is alive and he is who he said he was. He was not just a good moral teacher. He is God. He is the son of God. He is our savior. He is our Lord and he is worth following and put our trust in. And so many of us have experienced that. Maybe you're new to Jesus and hear about this. I just want to encourage you like Pastor Amy prayed a few moments ago. Oh, keep your heart open to him because I believe there's a lot that he wants to do in your life. And today could be a day where he changes your life forever. So we believe in Jesus unashamedly because of what he did. Like he rose from the dead. He appeared to over 500 people. Even Paul, decade, decades later, Paul was a guy who hated Christians, hated the church, didn't believe in Jesus. He has this radical encounter with Jesus, and he's like, I believe in you now. And then decades later, he's standing before King Festus and Governor, uh, or King Agrippa, Governor Festus, and he's sharing his testimony. Like, Jesus radically changed my life, guys. Hey, he rose from the dead, and you all know this. He's talking to the king and the governor of the area, and he says, you guys know this. It wasn't done in a corner. You can read about this in Acts chapter 26. Everybody heard about this. Jesus appeared to over 500 people after he rose from the dead. This is true. It is real. This isn't something made up by some people. This isn't an old wives' tale. This isn't a myth. This, they, the disciples didn't hide the body of Jesus. He really did rise from the dead. And so we believe following Jesus matters. We believe listening to his teachings matter. And we're going to do that again today. We're going to look at his teachings. But I was thinking this week about how cool it would have been to be one of the disciples to like walk and talk with Jesus like in the flesh. That would have been amazing. Just think about all the things that the followers of Jesus saw. When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see all those amazing stories, they saw him do what we just read there in Mark chapter 9, cast demons out of people. One time they saw him cast demon out of somebody, and it went in, all the demons went into pigs, and the pigs ran off a cliff and committed suicide. Like, they were there. They witnessed these things. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him and experienced him preaching to thousands of people. And people were amazed and in awe of his teaching. Not just what he said, but how he said it and the authority that he had. And so they were firsthand, like they were there front row experiencing all of this. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Wouldn't you have loved to have seen some of those things? Man, I hope in heaven we can, we can watch the stories of old on some screen of like just kind of see it firsthand. That'd be, that'd be super cool. I don't know if that's even possible or if we'll even care, but that just sounds cool right now. But these guys, they saw it. You know what's interesting is, out of all the things they saw Jesus do, they only asked him to teach them one thing. And it didn't center around, hey, Jesus, you're such a great preacher. Like, you're like the best we've ever seen. So can you teach us how to preach? Because we want to preach like you. And we know that someday it's going to be our turn, and we want to be ready to preach to thousands. And so can you teach us how to preach and how to teach so that you awe, because you awe people all the time. We want, to, we want to be someone like that. Hey, can you show us how to cast demons out of people? 
We want to be good at that deliverance thing too. They didn't ask that either. The only thing they asked Jesus was, can you teach us how to pray? It's the only thing they asked him out of all the things they witnessed. In fact, it's found in Luke chapter 11. Let's, let's look at this. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. How many of you know it doesn't matter where you pray? Any place becomes a certain place. Could even be, well, never mind, I won't say it. <laughs> Jesus was praying in a certain place. <laughs> when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us. Each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And that little prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, we call that the Lord's Prayer. It appears to be the second time that Jesus is giving this to the disciples. Matthew chapter 6, we see another recording of the, the Lord's Prayer. It actually has more details in Matthew chapter 6, but that was in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus was standing on this big hill, this, this mountain in that area, and he's preaching to thousands of people. And it's the most famous, best sermon ever, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. In the middle of that, Jesus instructs him how to pray, and he gives them that Lord's Prayer. And so this appears to be the second time he's given the instructions on how to pray to the disciples in giving us this Lord's Prayer. It's a shortened version, but the main elements, as you can see, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, the main elements are still there. What I love about Jesus is when he's asked, teach us how to pray, he doesn't go into this long one-hour lecture. He doesn't have this 10-point, like 10 ways to make sure you pray good. Here's, you can make sure you have your theology all correct. And all that kind of stuff. He, he gives them a 30-second prayer. Which gives hope for all of us. Like, I can do that. Now, I'd encourage you, we're not going to dive deep into the Lord's Prayer, the significance of all the different lines and all that kind of stuff. There is deep, profound theology and significance within the Lord's Prayer. I challenge you this week to study it. Study the Luke 11 passage. Study the Matthew chapter 6 passage. Because there's so much in there for us to understand as we pray. It's very important. And I believe Jesus gave us those specific things for a very specific reason. But the only thing Jesus specifically taught his disciples was how to pray. Isn't that interesting? Let's just read a couple more verses. After that, Jesus goes on and tells a little, little story. Uh, but then he says in verse 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Do you see the permission Jesus has given you? Come to me. It's okay to seek me. It's okay to ask, seek, and knock. Come after me. Jesus is calling us to pray, all of us, and he's given us permission to go after him, to seek, to seek. And let me just encourage you, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. With faith. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Don't give up. Prayer. We're in a season of prayer right now. And man, I'm just believing that God's going to do something significant in our lives. I pray that it's going well for you. I pray the fast is going well for you. I pray that you're growing closer to Jesus than ever before. I think this is an important way for us to start the year. Seeking God, just praying to him. You know, when Jesus came back to the disciples and uh, he showed them, he's, I'm alive, and he appeared to over 500 people, the Bible tells us that then, in front of the disciples, he ascended into heaven. Like, they literally watched him ascend, like float up into the sky, from earth into the heavens. And the Bible says that he's doing one thing right now. I think this is very significant for us to understand. He's doing one thing right now for you and for me. Hebrews 7 says this, so he, speaking of Jesus, is able to uh, save fully from now throughout eternity everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray continually for them. 
He lives to pray continually for you. Romans 8, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, which is a place of authority. And he is praying and interceding for you and me. That's significant, friends. Hey, if the one thing that Jesus taught his disciples was prayer, if the one thing that Jesus is doing right now for you and me is prayer, wouldn't you say that prayer is important for us? (laughs) It's very important for us. But maybe here's a more important question. How important is prayer to us? We know it's important for us. We know it's a good thing to do. But how important is prayer to us? Is it a priority in our life? Are we taking time to seek God, to spend time with him? Like, I can agree that it's, it's important for me to do, but do I do it? How much time do you find yourself giving yourself and your mind and your thoughts to prayer? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the habit of just, like, praying throughout the day, just throwing up prayers. Like, there's moments where it's like, okay, God, I need your help. Okay, God, I need wisdom in this moment right now. Okay, God, fill me again with your spirit, God. I just feel like I worry is, I mean, like the, the, the fruit of the flesh is coming out right now. God, I want the fruit of the spirit to come out. Can, God, can you just fill me right now? And there's, I, I just, I'm a fan of just throwing prayers out constantly throughout the day. It's a great habit for you and I to have. The Bible does talk about praying continuously. Pray without ceasing. But also there has to be time where we stop and we have dedicated time where we just seek God and we enjoy his presence. We've got to do this if we're going to get to know him. If we're going to get to learn to recognize his voice, we can't do that until we just stop and have dedicated time or assist us in Jesus. I would encourage you to make sure you make that an important part of your life. Give space to hear from God. Remember last week we talked about, well, if you didn't hear the message last week again, like Amy said, I encourage you, go back and listen to last week's message. Sometimes I believe there's, there's a message that we need to hear from God that's very inspirational. And that was, that was a very inspirational, prophetic message for us. Today we're going to get a little bit more practical, but both are very important. But last week we talked about this. Prayer is the most important work in your life. You do lots of work, okay? Good job. You want to work. We talked about working hard is a good thing to do, but of all the work we do, prayer is the most important work in our life. So let me just encourage you with that again. Let me encourage you to exercise and strengthen your prayer life again this week. Keep growing in your prayer. Billy Sunday, he said this. He said, if you're a stranger to prayer, you're a stranger to the greatest source of power available to human beings. D.L. Moody, he said this. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. I wonder if there's anybody here that wants to be one of those. Oswald Chambers, he said this. We have to pray with our eyes on God, not on the difficulties. How often do we look at the difficulties? How often do we look at how big the mountain is and forget how big God is? Again, this is like the fifth time I'm referencing something Pastor Amy. She already preached the whole message, apparently, with all of her prayers and thoughts, okay? (laughs) That's okay. This is kind of how God does with themes sometimes when he's really speaking to us. Our God is bigger than anything we'd ever face. Don't pray with your mind on the difficulties, the mountains, and the situations. Pray with your mind on how big God is. And then James, our good friend James, has some great words for us to look at. James chapter 5. I'd love for you to go there in regards to prayer. I just got some great practical thoughts that I think are going to really help us grow in our prayer life today. James chapter 5. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, everybody say in faith. In faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. This, by the way, is one of the reasons why we have prayer every time we gather on a Sunday. 
At the end of our messages, we always end with a time of just prayer and worship. It's a chance for us to respond to what God is speaking to us based upon his word. We have prayer team people down here, and I just encourage people, come on down for prayer. This verse is one of the main reasons we do that. You need healing, inward, outward, physically, emotionally, whatever. You need healing, go to somebody and ask them to pray. And the Bible says something very clear. Okay, James has given us very clear instructions. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We believe that, and we see that happen on a regular basis. In fact, today, we were hoping to share a really amazing story that is basically a a death-from-life story physically. It's coming in the next few weeks or a couple months but uh, Pastor John Mark and Rosemary are putting together the story of a friend of theirs that they prayed for, who was literally dead and came back to life. And so you're going to hear that story. We, just, we see God perform amazing miracles, guys. And he doesn't just do it physically. He does it spiritually, where he changes us from the inside out. And we, have, we find life in him. And that spiritual death to life is the greatest miracle that we ever see. And we, we pray for more and more of that as well. But again, this is one of the reasons why we have prayer every single week. Come on down for prayer. You need prayer. You need healing. Come on down for prayer. Even if you feel like, yeah, I got to do it week after week after week, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking, and go to some brothers and sisters and have them pray with you. All right? So then James goes on to say this. Therefore, verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Interesting. This is some, it brings a lot of thoughts when you read that verse there. Confess your sins so that you may be healed. It's important for us to have friends that we trust, that we can confess to. We can talk to about anything. And there's a healing that takes place as we have those friends, as we confess. So that you may be healed, then, then, then James says this, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You believe that? The prayer of a righteous woman is powerful and effective. I believe James is speaking out of experience. James is an interesting guy because he's the guy that was one of the younger brothers of Jesus. He literally grew up with Jesus, the Messiah. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after he saw Jesus rise from the dead. And he's like, I believe in you now. And then James became one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. And now James has given us some amazing instructions on what he's learned in life. In fact, one of James's nicknames was Old Camel's Knees. They called him Old Camel's Knees because it said that he spent so much time on his knees in prayers that his knees became callous like a camel. And so James says this, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. I think James saw it firsthand. And he says these two verses, and I just love this. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And so James is likening Elijah to, I think, himself and to all of us. James is like, I'm just an ordinary guy, but I've seen the power of prayer. I've seen that the that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful. They are effective. They work. And I'm just an ordinary guy. Take it from me. And so is Elijah. And look at Elijah's an ordinary guy, just like you and I. God loves to use ordinary people. And he takes our ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. I think some translations actually say Elijah was an ordinary man. And so you and I, just being ordinary people, we can trust an extraordinary God. And our prayers aren't just words. They're not just empty words uh, full of just hope. They're actually extraordinary words full of faith that will cause God to move mountains. So God uses just ordinary people like you, like me. And I pray that though we are ordinary, we see God do the extraordinary. That's why we're talking about extraordinary prayer. So tomorrow we begin, actually, we're, we're in the, the third week of our fast. It starts essentially uh, tomorrow, I guess, would be the official. Day 14 would be tomorrow, right? Or today, I don't know. I don't know math very well. 
but I know it's a 21-day fast, and we've got a week left. Okay, so there's one week left in our 21-day fast. If you haven't been joining us, feel free to do it for seven days. I think that's cool. I think God accepts that. Uh, join us for a seven-day fast. But we're coming to the last week, and again, my prayer is that our, our prayer life would grow, that our spiritual life would grow. If, if my prayer life is not growing through this fast experience, then maybe I'm just starving myself. If my spiritual life is not growing, then maybe I'm doing this out of religious obligation. And I don't think God wants you to do that. I know he doesn't, in fact, and I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do this out of religious obligation. I want the fast to strengthen your faith. I want it to strengthen your, your spiritual life. I want it to strengthen your prayer life. And so I pray that that takes place. And so it's just good thoughts to ponder. Because we're not doing this just because it's a good Christian thing to do. We're doing this because we want God. We need him. And we need him to move. And we just want to lean on him and his strength and his power, not our own. That's why we fast. And so then tomorrow or tonight at midnight starts a 24-7 prayer, which we already talked about. And again, let me just give you permission right now. If you want to go and sign up, I give you permission to go on your phone, go on your tablet right now and sign up. There are some like midnight to 4 a.m. slots that are available for all you radicals that want to get up in the middle of the night, or maybe you get up super early already. You just want to do it. Hey, we need some, some crazy, radical people full of faith, so I'm going to take those slots. I love that our worship guy, Griffin, has taken the 1 a.m. slot. I just saw that yesterday. He signed up at 1, 1 a.m. all across the board. That's That's amazing. Uh, there's some afternoon slots that are available. So go on there and find, you know, do an hour this week. Or a lot of people like to try to select the same hour as you'll see throughout the week. And so a lot of those are already taken. But just go on. Take as many hours as you possibly can. Let's fill up every slot for the next seven days. Wouldn't that be amazing as we show up here next Sunday? And somebody has been praying every hour around the clock for the last seven days. That's pretty cool. And I believe God's going to move based upon our prayers and us seeking him. So this is us doing it together, okay? So go on, sign up for that. Pastor Amy talked about the prayer lab, and that's going on for like the next eight weeks. That's something that if you want to create space, you want to make that part of I'm digging ditches, I'm showing up on Wednesday night, you need to commit to that for the next eight weeks, but I promise you it'll be worth it. We believe everybody connected to our church should do that class once. In fact, I hesitate calling it a class. I shouldn't say it. It's not a class. It's not a study. It's, not a, it's an experience. That's what it is. And you will grow in how to pray and hearing from God and in using the gifts that God has given you. Then I'm looking forward to next week the, the community or the neighborhood prayer walk because we're going to do that together. And maybe you're like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's okay. We'll equip you. We'll help you. And maybe you'll just join a group of people and you'll just walk around and you'll just pray under your breath for everybody that you see or just for homes or for businesses or whatever. And that's all you need to do. But we'll equip you. And it's just going to be a fun thing that we can do all together after we gather next week. We'll talk about the practice and all that kind of stuff next week. But I'm looking forward to that next Sunday as we do that. Now, did you notice what Jesus said at the end of that story that our friend Becca just read? After the whole thing ended, verse 29 of Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer. Did you catch that? It's kind of an interesting statement when you stop and think about it. Like, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, uh, that's what we did, Jesus, I thought. Like, what are you saying? We didn't pray? We're we not good enough prayers? Like, what's going on? Like, I didn't, I thought I was praying. And so that's an interesting statement. So what does Jesus mean by the statement? This kind can only come out by prayer. And so obviously Jesus is meaning something very specific here. And we do know this. As you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see Jesus was a man of prayer. He knew he needed to pray. He knew he needed to rely on the Spirit working in him and rely on his relationship with the Father in order to do what he was called to do. And so he was a man of prayer who would constantly go, and he would spend all night in prayer. He would have moments of prayer. In Luke 11, we just read he was praying in a certain place, and the disciples saw that, and something about how he prayed and the results of his prayer life and how he walked and lived caused them to say, we need to learn how to do that. His prayer life was that significant. And so Jesus is essentially telling us this isn't just about the moment of prayer. This is about a life of prayer. If you show up in the moment, this is the first time you pray about something, 
then you haven't fully prepared for the moment. But if you've been prayed up, you've been seeking with God, your faith is strengthened, and you're growing, and you're, you've already been praying, you have this faith that is so strong, then you're ready for that moment. And so there's a lifestyle of prayer that Jesus is really speaking to here. And some translations actually say prayer and fasting. And so it says, if you look at your little asterisk in your Bible there, you go down to the, to the bottom of that. You, all those little asterisks means that all the guys that were interpreting and studying the Bible and translating and all, they had a little discussion. They couldn't fully agree on it, but they wanted to make sure, hey, there's something very strong and significant about this as well, so let's put this down here in the bottom. And fasting. So it's found in some old manuscripts, but it's not found in all of the old manuscripts. In some of the oldest ones, they didn't find it. And so, so scholars will debate, well, what does that mean? What's the significance of that? Did Jesus say that in the beginning, or did he maybe he mean that? So maybe the early Christians, as they were translating this and copying the New Testament, realized this was the intent of it, or maybe they just realized, hey, there's something about prayer and fasting. We're seeing the power of that. Let's add that. And, and so who knows? Maybe Jesus said it and they forgot about it and they added it later. There's all of those options that could take place, but we see regardless, the intent is still the same. Jesus is not just talking about just a momentary prayer. This is, this is a lifestyle issue. This is something deeper. And so that's why I do like prayer and fasting, because there's a greater power that you and I can walk in through prayer and fasting. There's a greater authority that you and I can walk in through prayer and fasting. You see Jesus walk into the scene, and before he even starts praying, the demon starts shrieking and, 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 and unveils itself, right? And then he just speaks, and because he has authority, because he's a man of prayer, and he knows who he is, he knows who his God is, he has authority, he just speaks, and he tells that demon to go, and it's gone. And so he walked into that place, into that situation with authority. He already had it. He was prepared. He was ready before the moment. See, there's a greater spiritual authority that you and I can walk in through prayer and fasting. And I felt like God was saying, this is a picture of too many believers today. Too many believers, like they believe in Jesus, but they're not walking in the power of the authority that he has for them. And Jesus wants us to not be one of those. He's calling you and I to walk like him. To walk in authority. To walk in that power that he has for us. Jesus said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I put up with you? See, what's interesting is Jesus viewed their failure here to cast out the demons as spiritual weakness and a lack of faith. They had unbelief in their life, and their unbelief hindered their prayers. And I want to speak to unbelief for a few moments here. Unbelief is going to hinder our prayer life. Unbelief is going to rob us from all that God has for us. There's two main things, I think, that happen through unbelief. Number one, unbelief keeps us from praying, which is kind of the obvious, right? Like, if I don't believe that God can do anything, if I'm struggling with that, I'm probably not going to pray. If I, and I love this. Jesus said this. Okay, let's, let's go back to this. Uh, verse, what was it? Verse 23, I think it was, in, in, in Mark chapter 9 there. Jesus said, if you can... Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Wow. Everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Very key word there is possible for him who believes. And so if I don't have that mindset, then I'm probably not going to pray, right? And unbelief will keep me from praying from God in this way. Like if I don't believe that God even exists at all, I'm definitely not going to pray. There's a lot of people that have that posture. Like I don't believe in God. Uh, I don't think there is a God. And so then if that's where someone's at, then they're for sure not going to pray. Because why does it matter? God isn't real. He's, he, he's, he doesn't exist. But when we pray, I think it's important for us to understand that God is real. He is a real person full of real love. And he has real power. And he has all the resources available to you. And oh, by the way, as you approach him, he likes you. 
And he wants you to approach him. He wants you to spend time with him. He doesn't just like you. He loves you. And he has great things for you. And so we got to come to him in faith. Number two, unbelief hinders the effectiveness of our prayers. If I pray, and I don't have the mindset of like verse 23 there again, right? Everything is possible for him who believes. If I don't have that, and, and I, but I'm praying, I'm still praying, like I don't know if God can do this, but I'm praying, is he going to answer my prayers? Now, the real answer is I don't know, right? We don't know, right? Because he can still do it regardless, right? Because that's God. Like God is God. He can do whatever he can. He can use even those prayers. Let's be real. But he doesn't ask us to pray that way. He doesn't instruct us to pray that way. Listen to this, Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love that. God's a rewarder. He rewards those who earnestly ask, seek, and knock for him. He is a rewarder. We've got to believe that he exists. So we've got to come to him in faith. James, at the beginning of James, says this. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. So when we come to him, we've got to come to him in faith, with faith. But the father of the demon-possessed man said something interesting. He said to Jesus, because Jesus said, if you have the faith, you know, everything can be impossible. And so the father replies, well, I, I do have faith. What's the verse is 24. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And maybe you can identify with that. <laughs> yeah, I still am struggling here. If I'm real, help me overcome my unbelief. You know, even when we struggle with unbelief in our prayers, the good news is this. Jesus can help us overcome it. But I think we've got to be careful how we interpret this. Because I hear this talked about a lot and prayed a lot. Okay, this is not prescriptive in how we're called to pray. This is descriptive of a moment in a situation. This is descriptive of humanity and what can happen, but not prescriptive. You catch what I'm saying? This is not a formula for praying, but this is just a moment where a guy is saying, yes, but I, I'm, just, I'm still a little bit struggling here. Jesus is not telling us, pray with unbelief. He's saying that we can pray in that moment, okay? So there's permission, there's grace in that moment. We're thankful for that, right? We serve a God who sympathizes in our weaknesses. Hebrew 4 says that. Okay, so he sympathizes for us in those moments. But he also wants us to grow and mature in our faith. He doesn't want us to stay right where we're at. So it's okay to be honest, but the point of honesty is not so I can pray in my unbelief, but so, so God can help me overcome. Did you catch that word? Overcome my unbelief. So the man says, I do believe, but help me. He doesn't say help me with my unbelief. He says help me overcome my unbelief. And that's the goal. Jesus wants to help you overcome your unbelief. See, faith is a necessary ingredient for effective prayers. Faith is a necessary ingredient to the effectiveness of our prayers. Study through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see how many times Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. There's, there's a connection there. It's not like this automatic formula, but it's, there's a connection there that our faith releases the power of God in and through our life and into situations. And so Jesus is calling us to pray in faith, not in unbelief, but pray with faith. See, Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation. See, they're lacking faith, and he's speaking of specifically his friends there, his disciples, right? How long shall I put up with you? Okay, so again, Jesus does not want us to stay in our place of unbelief. His grace is there for us, but he wants us to grow beyond that and overcome that. Did you catch that? The disciples believed in Jesus. For the most part, they believed him. That's why they were following him, but they couldn't cast out the demon because they were struggling with unbelief. And get this. As I was reading through this, this message this week, I, this, this thought 
it really hit me. Their unbelief caused them to misrepresent Jesus. And I wonder how often you and I find ourselves misrepresenting Jesus. And these disciples, they were embarrassed. Everybody knew about it. The crowd's talking about it. Jesus walked into a crowd. Did you catch that? Okay, there's a whole big scene going on. Jesus like, hey, what's going on here? And some guy's like, oh, your disciples, they couldn't do it. And they're probably like, you know, they're like, you know. They're embarrassed. Everybody's talking about it. When Jesus stepped in, the boy was healed and delivered. Is it possible that too often we misrepresent Jesus in our life? And I wonder if our lack of faith has a connection. A lot of people like to look at Christians and say, hey, where, where's God? You talk about God being real. I don't, I don't see him real. Where, where's, you say you pray a lot. Like, where's the answers to your prayers? You say, I'll pray for you. Okay, what's, what's, what's the results of that? I, I want to see, like, where's, where's this powerful God of yours? And people outside the church looking at Christians who talk about a loving and powerful God oftentimes find themselves like, I don't see it. If God is all-powerful, why don't I see that in your life? You see, it's possible for us to be like the disciples. We can believe. We can be following Jesus. We can be saying the right things, doing the right things, talking about the right things, but there can be no power in our life. Paul talks about this to Timothy. Have an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. We can have the appearance that we're living the life, but there's no power. Jesus wants you to walk in power. And Jesus wants you to walk in authority. That requires faith for you and I. So let's, let's make this our prayer. Okay, Jesus, help me to overcome my unbelief because I don't want that. See, basically, that's something that shouldn't be a part of my life and a part of my prayer life. Again, maybe you're there just in general with God. God wants to meet you in that place, and that's okay. But when we pray, we pray in faith. Unbelief will hinder the effectiveness of our prayers. And I'm praying that God will strengthen your faith, will ignite your faith. It's important that we understand this, guys. I think there's one more thing that could possibly hinder our prayers. As I was thinking about this story, this, we don't know if this happened, but this could have possibly happened. And, and Adam, I'll call you up here as we, we wind down here. But I do know that this does happen to all of us. There's this thing called shame that hinders our prayers as well. Shame will hinder our prayer life. It'll hinder us seeking God. It'll hinder our relationship with God. And, and I don't want this message to bring any shame to you. That's not my heart. That's not the heart of God. And so I hope you don't catch this with the, with the religious spirit of you cannot have unbelief. You cannot doubt God. Uh, you got to pray. Okay, I, I'm not trying to put shame on you. You see, Jesus went to the cross to declare shame off you. And you and I are not designed to carry shame in our life. It will kill us. And a lot of us, we have felt the, the, the pressure, the weight, the crushing blow of shame. As we've, Maybe you even feel it right now. There's shame in your life. And people have said things to you. Okay, so here's what's going on. The disciples are like trying to cast this demon out. They can't do it. They can't do it. Jesus shows up. What's going on? Hey, they couldn't do it. And like publicly, everybody knows now. They could have struggled with shame in that moment. It's very possible, like, I'm not good enough. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe people have said that to you before. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't look like so-and-so. You're not as good as they are. Why can't you be like them? You can't do it. You'll never amount to anything. And those words can cut. And they can, they can, they can be things that just bring on this guilt and, this, and then it can become shame for us. When we aren't wired or designed by God to carry shame. It kills us. And again, that's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross, and he says, I'll take the shame on the cross so that you don't have to. And if you find yourself in a place where you're carrying shame, remember, you don't have to because Jesus took care of it on the cross. You can be free and forgiven from all that shame. I think this is another thing that hinders us in our prayer life and really just hinders us in general. Could have happened to the disciples, it's potential, as they thought, well, we're not good enough here, but this is where it goes back to, two weeks ago, we talked about something very important in regards to our life. And I think there's two things that you and I need to know. 
two things that you need to know in life. You need to know God and you need to know yourself. You need to know who God is and you need to know who you are. You need to know your true identity. Not who you think you are, not who other people think you are. And it's not wrapped up in your job, your career, your hobbies, your, your, your girl, all that. that's not your identity. We've got to know who God is because then out of that, we can discover who we are. Our true identity can only be found in him. We can't find our identity outside of our creator. It's impossible. We find our identity, our security in him. That's what identity brings. Did you know that? Security. It brings strength. Jesus walked into the scene. He knew who his dad was and he knew who he was. And we struggle so much in life because we forget who he is and we forget who we are. And so we got to know this. There's only one way to get to know God. You got to spend time with him. You got to seek him. You got to stop and just enjoy his presence. Learn to hear his voice and recognize his voice in your life and grow in that relationship with God. And out of that, he will speak to you. This is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. This is who you are. That's not who you are. This is who you are. God will speak words of identity and affirmation to you as you spend time with him. It's so important, guys. If we don't know who he is or we are, we're going to struggle in life and we're going to struggle in our prayer life. We've got to know who we are. You're a child of the king. You are loved by him. You are a mighty warrior. You are called by him. You are loved. You are created by him. You are his. You belong to him. Find your identity in those places, in truth, so that you can walk out your true identity, your true security. Jesus said this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Need a breakthrough? You got to do something new in your life? Come on, let's seek him like never before. Let's overcome our unbelief. Let's grow and strengthen our faith. Let's feed our faith. Like we talked about last week, then let's put some feet to our faith. Let's keep growing our faith. And, and Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief because that does not need to be part of my life. You need some deliverance in your life? Come on, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet? And I really wrestled with how to end this time together here today. And during worship, this is what I really sense God was saying. I'm going to go to one of the most popular scriptures on prayer. Yes, you can take that, Tony. <laughs> and I want us to pray this, and I want us to say, by God's grace, we're going to live this out. Second Chronicles 7.14. As we go into this last week of prayer, this is your last chance to pray all year. After this, we can't pray anymore, okay? So let's do it, right? Okay, no, I'm just kidding, obviously. But in this last week of, of the fast, I think God wants to speak to us out of these, out of all of these words that I'm sharing today, but especially this. I'm, I'm taking extra time today. Um, thank you. But I think this is important here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I wonder if we can really live these words out this, this week. I felt like this is the posture that God is calling us to get into. Because we can quote this, we can preach this all we want. But until we get into that place of humility, nothing's going to happen. It requires humility for us to stop and take an hour to pray this week. And to say no to some things that maybe we've been saying yes to so we can say yes to God. It requires humility. Some of us, we just need to turn from wickedness in our life. Come on, let's be real. Let's call it what it is. If my people who are called, you are called by God, who are called by my name, will humble themselves 
Seek my face. Come on, can we just do that this week? Let's humble ourselves. Humble. Maybe that's why we lack powers, because we're neglecting to uh, humble ourselves before God. We think we got it. We, we can just do this on our own strength. We argue and we debate all these other things. And full of pride, we're going to debate all these things online and say this, you know, this needs all this stuff. You know, you know what it is. Instead of humbly just going to God and seeking his face. I wonder if a lack of humility within the church is hindering God's moving. I wonder if a lack of humility in our life is hindering God moving in our life. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Come on, this is the week some of us turn from our wicked, there's things in your life that as believers, can I just speak to believers here right now? There are things in scripture that are sin that we just try to ignore. And God's saying, you turn from that, I got something way better, way better. It's not a you filthy, rotten sinner, shame on you. Remember, Jesus went to the cross to say shame off you. But I got something better. Turn from that stuff. It's destroying you. I got life. Wicked ways always bring death. Though in our flesh we enjoy them momentarily, they always bring death. Turn from those things. Then God says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You want to see healing take place in your life? Do you want to see healing take place in this city, in this land? Do you want to see healing take place in this church? We've got to get to this place. We recognize I am called by God. I'm going to humble myself before him and seek him. I'm turning from everything that's, that's keeping me from you, God, because I want you more than anything else. And then God promises, I will respond in that. I will move. I will bring healing. Forgiveness will be poured out. But we've got to start with that humility. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.